Claptrap, Episode 9, Traveling. Claptrap Nation, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be Christmas Eve. So just like how Santa travels all the way around the world on one night, Josh and I thought we would share our travel experiences for the Claptrap Christmas episode. So Josh, what do you got to say about travel? I think, you know, traveling is not just important during the holidays, but it's, it is also a hobby too. So I, I think this is going to be a fun episode. Traveling, especially during the holidays, is special because used to be the busiest time of year. I don't know about this year in 2020, but I still feel like people are going to travel to their homes. I just don't think it's going to be broadcasted as much. So myself, I have done quite a bit of traveling within the United States, and I've also been to Canada. But you're probably the one out of the two of us that has more international travel experience, I would say. I've been fortunate enough to travel through work and a little bit of leisure time as well. Like I got to go over to places like Japan and France mostly. You know, I briefly stopped in like the Netherlands and in and, and Germany briefly, as well as, you know, the super popular destination of going to the Caribbean for, for leisure time. And, you know, Canada is, is a kind of our next door neighbor, but we'll we'll dive into all of that. It's America's hat. Right. Yeah. I know you've you've done some traveling for work. What do you think about that? I had to go to Florida to inspect a boiler. That was just kind of ho-hum, get down there, do our thing. We're out in the middle of nowhere in Florida and basically turn around and come back. But the flight home was probably one of the craziest travel experiences I have ever had. (laughs) Like in a good way, I'm hoping. (laughs) Not like, obviously, like nothing bad happened to the plane or anything. No, nothing really bad happened. It was just a weird experience. So what happened was, like I said, we were in Tampa and we were flying back to Akron, but we had to have a layover in Charlotte first. So when we get to Charlotte, we board the super tiny plane. It's maybe seats 30 people in total. And the way the plane was set up was there was two rows of seats on one side and uh, just a single row of seats on the other side. So three rows total. And... I was traveling with two other guys, but for whatever reason, our tickets or seats or whatever were scrambled up, so I wasn't sitting next to either of the guys I went with. So I get sat next to this woman named Gina, and Gina was an interesting character. She was maybe like a kind of like a hippie Gen Xer. Uh, She kind of put me in mind of, I don't know if you've ever seen the Harry Potter movies, but the, uh, the fortune teller lady teacher, uh, Professor Trelawney. She reminded me a lot of her. So I get sat next to her. And from the moment I sit down till the moment the plane touched the ground in Akron, she was a chatterbox. And I had just worked, you know, some really long days inspecting that boiler. So I just wanted to get home. And Gina wanted to talk. Yeah, she sounds like she was friendly. (laughs) So the first thing, as soon as she sits down, she asks me, do you mind if I talk to you? I get nervous on flights. And I was like, I'm an agreeable guy. So I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. Let's talk. 
So even through the stewardess trying to go through the speech and everything about how to put on your mask if you crash and all that, she's just talking. The stewardess is giving us dirty looks because she won't shut up. You got to learn like her life story then probably. You know, most of our conversation was, you know, about normal stuff. She owned a restaurant in Kent and she was in, I think she was in Charlotte because she was attending a funeral for her uncle or something. But then things started to go a little bit off the rails and she was a nurse also part-time and, you know, being nice, I asked her why she got into nursing. And then she started telling me she used to have these visions where she saw the souls of all of humanity trapped inside this mountain and she was told by a spirit that in order to release the souls from this this mountain she needed to be a nurse and I was just like okay <laughs> and then I could hear just the two guys I went with they were sitting behind me I could just hear them starting to just roll with laughter after that it was just all this like woo woo spiritual talk and it, it was out there so shout out to Gina if you're listening yeah Gina had a captive audience but I enjoyed it it was fun makes for a good story I mean, that's, uh, you just played along with it. Bless your heart, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, cool that she feels that way. Like you said, I, I think nursing is a, a great field, but it it's always great when you get those kind of stories when you're sitting next to someone on a plane, even if it's only like an hour flight. You know, you're just like, let me know how releasing the souls go. Like, I hope you succeed. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. And I'm I, I'm assuming that you didn't get a chance to really say anything about yourself. It was just her talking stories. Couldn't get a word in edgewise with Gina. I had fun, though. It was good. I mean, at least she was nice. So that is part of traveling. You get to meet a host of crazy characters, nice characters, sometimes mean and rude characters. That's kind of the the allure or in some people's case they really don't like that aspect of traveling me personally i i've i've always liked getting to meet new people i feel like it gives me you know a good diversification and culture experience to a shock of outside of what i grew up with you and i both you know growing up in a small town we were pretty i wouldn't say we were you know raised under a rock or like closed shelter or anything like that but Everyone in our town, for the most part, was a pretty similar type person, you know, so we didn't get that much diversification. So going outside and seeing and talking to Gina, you know, is a is a great experience because even if you just get this cool story out of it, I mean, it gives you perspective on someone else's life or some, you know, other part of the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I agree. So out of all the places that you've been, what's been your favorite so far? Oh, wow. That's a that's a tough question. I'll probably divide that into two things. Like we were kind of talking about work and leisure on the work side of things. I definitely think my trip to Japan was my favorite. And I'll kind of tell a story of why that is. And on the leisure side of things, I really think the Dominican Republic was probably the most fun I had. I mean, there's there's a couple good stories that we can tell from, you know, each, each side of them. I'll, so I'll go with Japan being my favorite and not just because it's the furthest away. And I'll, I mean, if I ever get a chance to go back, will I? Sure. You know, right now I don't have any plans to ever travel back to Japan. 
I would again. But I think that that's my favorite place. I've been trying to talk my wife into going to, to Japan, but she just thinks it's way too different of a culture for her to even attempt to try to make that trip. I guess I, I don't disagree with her. So the culture is very different. It was a culture shock. Obviously, the language barrier is huge. <laughs> you go over there and I unfortunately am not a like a linguist or anything like that. So I speak English and a little bit of French from the classes I took in high school. So I speak no Japanese and I had to go over there for a week of work. When I got over there, one, I was one of the tallest people around being six foot one. Most of the people there are pretty short. Every once in a while you see someone that's about as tall as you, but for the most part, you're looking over everyone. And so like everyone like looks at you like you're, you know, kind of a freak. <laughs> and obviously they know you're American because <laughs> you look, <laughs> you don't look like them. Other than that, I mean, the food is a lot different. Here in America, we use cars. A lot of people have their own personal car. In Japan, is not like that. You do see cars, and people have cars, but the majority of people, how they travel is using public transport. So there is a lot of trains, there's a lot of buses, and... You know, everything is in a different language. So when you go over there, if you don't read or speak Japanese, luckily they use number systems. And so if you know where you're going, you can have a map, whether it's on your phone or a hard copy. I definitely recommend having a hard copy unless your phone services, you know, you buy a, a special international package for your phone. But that map really will save your butt. As long as you circle where your hotel is, <laughs> and then someone will be able to understand when you point on the map and say here. And it, obviously, they don't, they can't understand that you're saying here, but they understand that you're trying to get there, and they just kind of laugh and and they tell you number number three, or, you know, or three. They'll they'll say that numbers are the same, so that works okay. The food is a lot different, obviously, prepared differently, tastes different different seasoning uh, on it. There's not fast food places or there, the one fast food place I did see, even though it was McDonald's, you go inside and it's really not like Americanized McDonald's. It's much different. So there, there is a big culture shock, but I definitely think you should talk to your, to your wife and, and really convince her the trip. The worst part of getting over there is the distance. Obviously it's on the other side of the world from the United States. I think the flight took, 30, 30 hours, we had one stop in the Netherlands. And basically, at one point, I was on an airplane 22 hours straight. So, like, this jumbo, jumbo plane, like, six rows across, two aisles on, two aisles, middle row with everything. And basically, these seats all lean back, and you, you literally have to sleep on the airplane. And you get, like, two two or three meals depending on how many layovers you have and they have like TVs on every single passenger seat so that way you can like watch movies and don't get like bored to death and I had to get up several times like walk up and down the aisles because you get like like your rear end gets sore from just like sitting if you can get over that you can do it so when you were in Japan did you go to one of those cool sushi restaurants with the conveyor belt with like the different colored plates that come around so in the airport, there was one. I didn't actually go when we were in the mainland, like just like in the normal part of town. 
but in the airport there was one of those and I did get to try one and it was fantastic. I love seafood and I love sushi. So I guess if you do go to Japan, I would say I hope you really like seafood because they have a lot of fish. Obviously, they're they're an island. <laughs> I love seafood, but they're pretty adventurous when it comes to seafood. Like, have you ever seen that squid where they will, like, kill the squid and put it, like, on a mound of rice and they squirt, like, some acidic soy sauce or something on it? And then the squid, like, starts dancing due to the chemical reaction? No, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out. I will say the one restaurant we went to, it was a very traditional-styled restaurant. My colleagues in Japan at the time made sure to, to take me there. And once you got in the, into the door of this hut, basically, it was like a big hut. You had to take off your shoes and put them into like these little cubby holes. And then they gave you like these little slippers to put over your feet. And you like walk to your table, which isn't just like a normal table. It's like sunk into the ground, I guess is the best way to describe it, you know? So it's not like your normal, your normal height. It's sunk in. And basically, you know, I can't read anything on the menu. And the guys are like, oh, no, no, it. It's okay. We'll order for you. And <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever, man. Just get whatever. I'll, I'll eat anything. And they just like start laughing. So basically they order this like buffet of all these different kinds of fishes and food I've never seen in, in my entire life. And it was just like super colorful. And the the main dish, they brought this, I don't know, the best thing I can describe it as it was, it looked like a trout, but obviously it was from the ocean so it was a little bit different than like the normal trout you see over here and it this thing was alive <laughs> and it's flopping around and the guy comes <laughs> puts it on the table the, the the chef he has this big old butcher knife and he's like hey yeah and he and he cuts the head off the fish right in front of everyone and they're, they're just looking at my face i'm just like whoa okay i just like obviously have this like dumbfounded like huh kind of look on my face of watching this and then like the fish eye like looks over at you because it's like still kind of moving a couple seconds you know after he chops off the head and there's not a lot of blood with fish i mean there's a little bit and then basically you know skins it scales it right there and then starts cooking it right in front of you but the head they just kept right there on the table <laughs> and everything so that was kind of you know a little different if you weren't ready for it but Probably about the closest thing I've done to something like that was I was in D.C. And the person I was visiting, they had to go do something. So I was with their roommate and she was a uh, Korean girl. And so I went with her and her sister to a like real Korean like barbecue, like an authentic one in Washington, D.C. And that was super awesome. It was about as authentic as you can get. You sit around kind of like a, uh, it's kind of similar to like Mongolian barbecue where they got like a big like stone thing with like a fire underneath it in the middle of your table. They bring stuff for you to cook and it's it's in the center and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So one of the things precursing this story that I recommend everyone when they're traveling don't be as ignorant as, as I was when I was traveling. Learn a little bit about the culture if you're traveling overseas before you go. Learn a little bit of their customs of, on how to be polite. It goes a long way in just making the trip go smoothly. And, you know, I think Americans already kind of have a bad name when they go traveling 
for being ignorant because we don't speak as many languages as a lot of these countries do. And so what I mean by that is one day in Japan, I'm, I'm a workout kind of guy and I wanted to go for a run. I know they, they had a little gym at the hotel we were staying at, but, uh, I would say for the most part, the gym facet in hotels isn't as prevalent in Japan as it is over, over here in the States. So I go out for a run. Obviously I have no idea where I'm going because I'm not from there. Uh, I just, you know, start running and basically I'm like, I'm going to run in a straight line. There's no way I'm going to get lost. I just keep running and running. I was planning on doing like a five mile run and then turning around and coming back around mile two, three. I like start to go into like this park looking thing. I'm like, cool. Perfect. A park. That's where I would normally do my running anyway. So I go into it. No big deal. Ends up. There's like these cool buildings. They look like traditional Japanese style. I'm like, oh, this is really neat. So I, you know, continue to run. There was no one out. Like I was the only person there, but it, it was earlier too. So I didn't really think anything of it. It was seven, seven thirty in the morning. I'm getting into the park and running. There's like, like a little pebble road and I, I'm running on this within 20, 25 seconds in, onto this pebble road. This older gentleman comes out and starts yelling at me. Like I have my headphones on. And so like at first I didn't hear anything. And then as it got louder, obviously I, I heard someone yelling from me at, from behind, like chasing me. And I turn around and I, I kid you not, there's this, I don't know, 50, 60 year old Japanese man yelling at me. And I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> he, I knew he was mad. His face was red. And he starts like pointing at the ground and, and pointing at me. And like, he's just mad. I'm just like, like what? And I, and then I'm just like, I finally figure it out after, you know, taking a 20 seconds of this guy yelling at me. I'm looking at like in all the grounds and all the buildings. I'm like, Ooh, this looks more like a traditional, like temple village kind of thing. So all of these buildings that were around me weren't like, they didn't look like public buildings. They looked like, like I said, more your traditional Japanese, like, temple kind of style building and then i'm looking at all the all the roads and they look like they're perfectly raked and i'm just like thinking back to like you know americans have like you know those little those little things they put on their desk where they have like the mini rake you know and i'm pretty sure that's a japanese culture thing yeah i think it might have been a japanese rock garden because they like make sure every like stone is like immaculately placed and everything so you, you might have just tromped through that guy's rock garden that he just spent like a thousand hours <laughs> manicuring. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was adamantly mad at me, yelling at me to like looking at, pointing at my footprints. And then, like I said, after like a minute of getting yelled at by this guy, I understood that he was yelling at me because I messed up his perfectly raked pebble road and so i did my best to turn around and run back in the footsteps that i had and the only thing i literally understood him or understood from him as i was turning around was something something american <laughs> and obviously he was probably cussing me out or calling me some name and i just smiled and waved and <laughs> kept running and uh, i'll never forget you know once i got outside this this garden thing i was like well, I, I, you know, I had no idea, but it, 
like I said, it made me think about that little thing that people put on their desk and how neatly they have to rake it and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that I can understand why that guy's really mad at me. Sorry. <laughs> and I, I said sorry, but I obviously I don't think he understood me. I just thought he possibly thought I was arguing with him. So that that's the last I'll talk about that story. Uh, and like I said, my advice to everyone is if you're going to a different country you've never been to, learn a little bit about the culture <laughs> and not, and learn how not to piss them off because it just doesn't help you out at all. <laughs> Have you ever experienced anything where you've done something really stupid on, on a trip, whether it's work or, or leisure? Yeah, so I've only ever really traveled within the United States and Canada, so I've never had to run into the language thing. In Canada, the one province we were in was like... 90% English speaking. So the some of the signs and things were in French, but I have enough of a French background where that really wouldn't have been a problem either way. I still remember enough to I think I could get by if in a pinch. So je m'appelle Kyle. You probably haven't because you're one of those people I feel like who would probably read into it. I don't know what I was thinking. I, maybe I was tired from like waking up early and going out for, you know, a run in a country i can't read any of the signs or speak to anyone uh, maybe you're a little smarter than me on that that aspect but i will say traveling outside the united states one of the biggest pains was obtaining a passport in my opinion because we went to like walgreens or wherever and they say oh we can take your passport picture or whatever except the person that took it had no idea what they were doing they had a smile and then the picture wasn't the right size. So then we had to, it got rejected when we submitted our thing for the passport. So then we had to go back and redid it, redo it. And the second time we took it to the library and then that time mine got accepted, but my, my wife's didn't. So then we had to redo hers a third time and then hers finally got approved like a month before we ended up going on our honeymoon so it was an experience yeah that's painful yeah for that i definitely learned like getting my passport nowadays it's a lot better i think than it was a decade ago but in doing that the probably the best way to go about it is going to the u.s passport website and just reading on the stipulations that you have to go through in order to obtain the passport so i think on their website it clearly defines you know, the size of the picture that you need and the requirements of the picture. So if you go to Walgreens, I think that's where I got mine done too. Like you said, the, the technician there probably doesn't take a whole bunch of them. And if they do, they probably don't care that much. Just let them know that you're taking a passport photo and that it needs to be, you know, whatever that required size is. And, and just know you're not supposed to smile. It's not like your driver's license. <laughs> it's supposed to be a little more serious, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why that's a stipulation. I feel like it's stupid that you can't smile, but whatever. That's the rules. Yeah, so my advice would be if you're going to do any international travel, get your passport a while in advance just in case there's any holdups. That way something doesn't happen and you miss your trip. Fun fact about getting your passports that I actually had to incorporate for mine because the reason I got my passport was kind of a spur of the moment trip to the Dominican Republic. And I was kind of in the same boat with as what you said um, that your wife had to go through, not necessarily, you know, having to go through the whole ordeal of like redoing it. But I only had like 
two months to get my passport. And a lot of people are always like, oh, that's not really enough time. So one of the things that I found out about your passport is that your state um, representative in the house, their office is in control of passports. So I actually called my state representative at the time I was living in Ohio. So I, I cannot remember who, who she was at the time, but I literally called her office and she picked up, which is, you know, crazy. And I talked to this, you know, Republican House of Representatives for Ohio for five minutes. And I was explaining about what I was doing and everything that I was a, you know, a college kid at the time. And I've never been outside, you know, the United States. And I really wanted to go on this trip, you know, and she was actually able to rush my passport. Now, obviously they're not going to be able to do that all the time for everyone. If everyone wanted and did that, but I was lucky enough that that worked for me and my passport got processed in like 10 days. So it was super simple. It's all about who you know. That's all about who you know. You're right. Very right. Let's talk a little bit more on the, on maybe the fun side of trips. We talked a little bit about work, work-related trips. On the fun side of trips, uh, where have you got to go on your leisure? The best place I've ever been to was in 2002. My family took a trip to Hawaii. So I kind of get what you were talking about with the long plane ride to Japan, I think. If I remember right, it was like a six-hour trip. Right, that's out in the middle of the ocean. From Yes, to from Ohio to like Texas. And then we got on a flight from Texas to Honolulu. And that was, I want to say like 12 or 13 hours. So not as long as 22. Oh, yeah, that's a strange connecting flight. Yeah, I think our layover connecting flight was Houston. Yeah, what? why wouldn't they go from California? I have never been able to understand the connecting flights that different airplane companies, you know, take to get people to their destinations. Makes no sense to me, but continue. So we went on a cruise then once we got to Honolulu and we kind of island hop to all the different islands. And we did several different things there. We stopped in Honolulu, first of all. I went to Waikiki Beach. In my opinion, that place is way overrated. The entire island is volcanic and there is just sharp rocks everywhere. So to go out into the water, you almost need like some type of shoe in order to like not get your feet super beat up. And it's not really as picturesque as what they make it out to be. That was probably the most disappointing thing that I did in Hawaii. We went and seen the Pearl Harbor Memorial. The, some of the really cool things are, are we went to the observatory on the top of some mountain and you could see like forever. That was really cool. We went and seen a crater and then probably one of my favorite things there was the Polynesian Cultural Center. So it's a place where like native Hawaiians, so people that are like college age, I guess they can work there and get their like tuition paid for if they're native Hawaiians and the way it kind of works is whatever tribe they belong to, they will have like little villages set up to show you like how that specific tribe lived. So they will show you how to like climb up a tree and retrieve coconuts or how to make poi or how to spearfish and, and things like that. And then they also are wearing like the traditional garb and they do like these like boat parades where they do like some of the dances and the the fire twirling and all that kind of stuff. So it was really, really cool. 
Did you get laid? I did not. I was expecting, you know, in the movies are always like you get off the plane and then they put a big thing of flowers around you. That didn't happen. I was disappointed. What? That is disappointing. I feel like I've never been to Hawaii, so that's definitely one of my goal places. But I didn't lay you. Wow. Okay. Overall, though, do you think, you know, Hawaii is worth it? You know, one of the things about Hawaii that I obviously it's in the middle of the ocean. So a lot of things get imported there. Did you notice like were prices a lot higher for food and and hotels there kind of reasonably priced or or what was it like actually traveling there? I was 11 at the time, but even that back then I could tell that everything is like insanely priced. <laughs> so what's your favorite place that you've been to for kind of a leisure activity? Yeah, so for leisure, I think I'm definitely going to go with the Dominican Republic. So the Dominican Republic was very cheap. <laughs> I think a round trip cost and a five-day stay in an all-inclusive resort was $900 a person. And that included the flight, like I just said. Uh, and that included three meals a day. That included alcohol. That included entertainment. Uh, it didn't include like extra excursions and stuff. I don't know. Are you an extra excursion kind of person when you go out to to different places? So I've taken three cruises, and on each of them, for every port or whatever we stopped at, we booked an excursion and went on that. I mean, I think that those are a lot of fun too. I think I would I would participate in offshore excursions if it wasn't an all-inclusive resort so that's that's another tip i think is important to keep in mind if it it's an all-inclusive resort play it to its name there's a lot of things that you can probably do in that resort but if it's not an all-inclusive resort and you're just doing a hotel then maybe ahead of time you need to look into you know what kind of excursions that you'd like to do uh, the one detail I'll, I'll give about the dominican Besides the people being super friendly, their entire culture is based on, you know, the service industry and travelers coming there and paying for these resorts and hotels and houses that people stay in. But really, the beach is very pretty. I think it's well, well kept. You know, it's the nightclub nightlife isn't as fancy at the Dominican because once you get off the resorts, you know, the area isn't as as nice as some of these other places. But the people were very friendly. The food was awesome. If you like, once again, seafood, the water was warm and it was sunny every day. If it rained, it, it rained hard for a couple hours, but then the sun came out and it was 80 degrees again. So if you ever get the chance to go, I definitely recommend going to the Dominican. Plus the Dominican, they produce baseball players like no one's business. They do love baseball. And while flying to the Dominican you could see lots of different baseball fields. That was that was pretty cool. Is there a certain place that you would not recommend going to? Not recommend going to. <sighs> That's tough. I think if I was going to recommend, you know, a place that I didn't enjoy as much, oh, this is going to sound bad. I went to St. Louis once and besides the arch that's there in St. Louis, I don't know that to me, it is kind of the gateway to the West. And there's a lot of like meeting points from like the Midwest to the West that, that meet in St. Louis. 
but for me, it was just an arch town. And once you saw the arch, like that was, that was it for St. Louis. So really I, I wouldn't recommend going there. I think there's way more cities out there that bring a lot more to the table. For me, my place that I did not really care for was actually, I'm probably going to get a ton of crap for this, but I did not care for New York City at all. Oh, see, I haven't been to New York City. Is there a particular reason why? So I think it's because I'm just kind of a a Midwest guy, you know, kind of live out in the more rural parts of Ohio. So me and Emily got to New York and that's where our cruise took off from for our honeymoon. And as soon as we land, I feel like everybody in New York is very intense. We go to pick up a cab and it's kind of like a horseshoe shaped where the cabs pull up and people can get in or whatever. We're next in line and a spot opens up for a cab to pull in and like three of them try to get into the same spot at once to get our business or whatever. And then all the cabbies start getting out at once and start like yelling at each other. And we're just like taken aback by like, okay, what's going on? And then the one guy is just like, just come on, just come on. And he like picks up our stuff and like throws it in the trunk. And we're like, all right, I guess we're going with this guy. So that was like a welcome to New York kind of thing. Come on now. We want your money and you're coming with me. Get in the car. All right, sir. I don't know if it's just because Chicago's in the Midwest, but I actually enjoyed Chicago quite a bit when I was there. So I don't know. For some reason, I just didn't like New York. I don't know if it was just the the high intensity of New York City or what, but I just did not enjoy it when I was there. The Statue of Liberty was cool, though. I think New York City is one of those places where people either hate it or they... Or they love it. I don't I don't think there's a lot of in between because like you said, there's a lot of strong personalities there. There's a lot of cool restaurants, I'm sure. But if you don't like the people, <laughs> there's millions of them there, right? So. And then when we went out to eat for dinner, we went to a Thai restaurant. It was awesome. Loved the food and everything, but it was like this super tiny place. They sat, me and Emily, at the same table as these two business guys, like, talking business. So we're, like, sitting at a table of four with these other two guys having, like, a business meeting. And it was su- it was super awkward. But uh, that probably also contributed to my dislike of New York City. Yeah, I mean, that that is tough about New York. So everything, trying to get everything in there is more compact. I think that goes the same way with the living situation in New York. Obviously you got your studio apartments everywhere for people living. And that, that probably carries over to the restaurant industry as well. For the next part of our episode, I guess what we could do is maybe we'll list off some of the places that we've been or all the places that we've been and just say, you know, whether or not that you would recommend going to it and kind of give like a, a yes or no. You don't necessarily, it's not your favorite or, or least favorite place, but just a quick reason why you would or wouldn't go back to this place, to that place. So let's see, I've been to Hawaii. Yay. Beautiful place. Perfect weather. Basically paradise on earth. Florida. I would say Yay. It gets really stinking hot in the summer, though, so you might want to go kind of in the off-season. North Carolina. Love North Carolina. Go there almost every year. It's a very chill place. Just hang out at the beach. Maine. Definitely loved Maine when I was there. The outdoor portion, the scenery and everything is A+. Plus, they got lobster rolls fresh out of the ocean, so 
loved me some Maine lobster. Canada, particularly Halifax and St. John, love both cities. I had quite a lot of fun in both places. Plus, Canadians are really nice people, so that's always a bonus. Uh, Chicago, really like Chicago. Deep dish pizza is the way to go. Sorry, New York, that's another negative for you. That flat, whatever pizza, you, you can take a hike with that. Pittsburgh, love Pittsburgh. Primanti Brothers, Pittsburgh Penguins, great experience. Anywhere out west? I really haven't been out west anywhere. Gotcha. I mean, it, it still sounds like you've you've gone to a lot of places, which is is cool. I like how in some instances you kind of grouped them as a state versus sometimes you, you talk just about the city. Uh, I don't know if I I'll can if I'll do the same thing. Like I've been to different places like in Louisiana, but I don't know if everywhere in Louisiana <laughs> is somewhere that I would go because I'm not a you know I'm not a swamp liver, so I don't know if I could. It, live in that culture for extended periods of time. Uh, but I'll go here and name off some of the places that I've been and, and whether or not I think it's worth going to. Obviously, this is my opinion and everything. Uh, I said Japan before. I definitely would go. I love the food was good. Worth the trip. Uh, France, amazing, beautiful countryside. Food also probably the best I've had in the entire world. Amazing places everywhere to go to eat. I've been to Charleston, South Carolina. Very, very beautiful place. A lot of rich history. Loved it. Loved the food. Been to New Orleans. Same thing. You're going to notice a, a recurring theme here with me. I, when I go to places, one of the big things, I'm a foodie. And I, I hope a lot of people are, are maybe like that. But food is a big portion for me when I go traveling. I really want to experience what kind of food these different places have. I don't know if... Are you like that when you go to different places? Yeah, definitely. Food is one of the key like kind of cultural aspects that you can have to experience a, a different place. And with even within America, we have so many different cultures that you can experience quite a different things just traveling around the United States. Yeah, definitely. So to, to continue on with that, you know, New Orleans also awesome with the the Creole style thing. Very unique, by the way. One of the most unique kind of foods that you can get in the United States. And not, you know, there's Creole style stuff that you can get elsewhere in the United States, but I would say the same thing for anywhere that you travel. Where it comes from is always the best place to get it. So like your seafood, if you love seafood, though, you might go to a nice seafood restaurant down the road from you. Like you said, going to Maine and getting a fresh lobster roll that's the bomb. You can't beat it. And that's the same way I feel about when I go to these different towns to experience their, their food culture. To continue on though, I've been to, you know, places like Raleigh, North Carolina, very cool. A lot of things to do in the city for, for history and stuff. Anything on the East coast, obviously is very history based because it's kind of the beginning of America. So if you're a history nerd, like I kind of am, and you're probably even more than me, <laughs> you can probably find something to do on the East coast. That's one place I forgot to mention, just thinking about East Coast towns, is Washington, D.C. All the museums and everything there, Smithsonian, A+. Highly recommend. Uh, see, that's something I haven't made it to yet, and I feel like, as an American, I feel like you need to go to the nation's capital. I know it, maybe right, right now isn't the best time to go during this election process and everything, and the whole coronavirus situation going on. Um, but like you said, all the 
all the rich history out there, the Smithsonian, the the monuments, you know, the White House, seeing some of that stuff is priceless in American culture. And I think every American should experience something like that. So I need to get on it. Dude, I've seen George Washington's teeth. Wait, what? You've seen his teeth? I've been to Mount Vernon and they've got like a museum kind of there along with the house and they have all kinds of interesting stuff. And one of the things there is George Washington's teeth, which are not wood. They were made out of ivory. So that is a total myth. He also didn't chop down a cherry tree. That's a total lie too. Fun fact for today's episode. Some of the other places I've I've got to go, um, like I said, I, I got to take one cruise to the Eastern Caribbean, kind of through the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. I definitely recommend, you know, if anyone you ever get a chance to take a cruise and can stand being on a boat with several thousand people, it's still a fun time, I think, because it's pure relaxation and everything is taken care of for you. So definitely do that if you can and don't get seasick. <laughs> In the mainland, I've been to Austin in Texas. Very cool, hip city. If you're a younger person or, you know, even in, in your later years, if you like to move around, dance with some, I guess, Hispanic kind of vibes. And I, I think that'll, I'll pretty much wrap it up for I've been. I've, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch, but I'm, I'm one of those people that, that I like to continue to travel. And I think I'll continue to travel to as many places as I can, you know, throughout my entire life. New Orleans is a place that you brought up that I really want to go to. Dude, the history there from, you know, not just even before like the colonies were formed, New Orleans was a hot spot. I don't know, you know, just that that port going from the Gulf, I guess, whoever landed there first. There's just so much rich history in the food and the the town upbringing itself, kind of the, the battles that they've had in there. A lot of tragedy has happened in New Orleans too, which is kind of freaky if they if you go around and learn about how many people have died in that city. But definitely go check it out if you can. All right, guys, I think that will just about wrap up our episode for this week. Remember to like us on Facebook and now that we're on Apple Podcasts, maybe head on over there to give us a like as well as a review. Let us know if you like the podcast. So we look forward to hearing your feedback. So you got any parting words, Josh? Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, continuing on there, we're also on anchor. So anything uh, like Spotify, continue to, to follow us on there, whatever your favorite listening platform is. Like Kyle said, we really appreciate your support and hopefully, you know, if you guys interact with us, we'll try and put up some topics that, that you guys want to hear about, let us know. Thank you.